0: hey there everybody and welcome to another episode of lions tigers and children's ministry oh my today we have another uh different type of an episode instead of actually having somebody in studio today to record i'm actually doing this off-site from mojos in neo show and uh we have a recording of a sermon from brother daniel taylor preached april 6th of 2022 there you are, sir. How titled a Revival Thank in the you. Life of the Child. I will. You... So let's listen in and glean some wisdom from one of the great preachers of our time, Reverend Daniel Taylor.
1: One of our, our Christian duties is to emphasize the perpetual priority of children's ministry. Mark 10, 14 explicitly says that we should make sure that children can get to Jesus. Uh, Listen listen to what it says. Um, It says that people brought... Verse 13 says that people brought the children to Jesus uh, so he could touch them. And verse 14 says this, but when Jesus... uh, Well, it says that there was Pharisees and stuff, was much displeased. And Jesus was was not happy with the people that hindered those children from coming to him. So it says in verse 14, but when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and he said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. Now, this, that statement is one of those you-better-listen statements that Jesus made. You better listen, you better cooperate, or else. And, and it's our perpetual obligation to just do it. What do you mean, Brother Taylor? To allow the children to have access to Jesus. Hmm? Suffer means to Allow. So songs like "Jesus Loves Me" and "Jesus Loves the Little Children" are well—they're forever remind us that our, how our Savior feels about children. Okay, I mean when Jesus took children up in His everlasting arms and blessed them, we see the hand of God on children. When Psalm one hundred nineteen eighty nine 89 says that his word is forever settled in heaven, then children's ministry is every church's priority, according to that verse that I just read you in Mark chapter 10, verse 14. Suffer, allow, or make room, work at making it happen. That's what that means, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. In other words, whatever you do, you don't hinder children. You help them. You help them come to Jesus. Everybody understand Now, the Lord loves children, and he cares very much about their spiritual condition, whether we do or not. I mean, every one of us needs to be sure to remember that it would be better to have a millstone tied around your neck and cast into the sea than to offend a child. Adults that cause strife and church problems, they need to remember that. You know, I've always thought about that. Whenever you have church problems and stuff like that, don't those people realize that by their conduct, they might be hindering children? And they'd be better off if they had a millstone tied around their neck and cast into the sea than to do that? I mean, church trouble has a rippling effect. It ripples down to children, doesn't it? So and before you go, go pointing fingers at everybody else, you know you need to ask yourself how your conduct is affecting the church environment. Everybody. Now, a characteristic of people with, that, who really have Jesus in their heart, did you know what one of the characteristics of that is? It's their love for the least. Listen listen to this. Matthew 25, 40. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Because Jesus is with the least, the lost, and the last. And so whenever you do something for them, you did it for him. That's what he said. Uh, Matthew 25, 45. And then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you've done to the least of these, you did it unto me. So, in our text tonight, as found uh, in, in, in 1 Kings chapter 17, if you want to turn there. And it's the story of a revival in the life of a child. Revival in the life of a child. Think about that. I mean, I realize that it's referring to physical revival, you know, but, but God that, that revived the widow of Zarephath's child can revive anybody's children, spiritually and physically. Praise the Lord. Y'all listening? Now hear me, the Lord wants our children to have a healthy spiritual life. Do y'all, everybody got that? I mean, listen, he wants them to be ready for the rapture and equipped to face the challenges of this life. Every child. And the Lord wants the children and the young people of this church to, to experience constantly reoccurring revival. All of, all of them. I want you to follow along. I'm going to preach to you on revival in the life of a child. Now Listen. 1 Kings, chapter 17, verse 8. This is good reading. It's a little longish, but that's all right. Come to church, it's a good place to hear the Bible read. Verse 8, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Him being Elijah, Arise and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. uh, Behold, I have commanded a widow woman to sustain thee. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow was there gathering of sticks. And and he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks and I may may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Hmm? And Elijah said unto her, fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. Bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, and neither shall the cruse of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. See, the problem they was having in Israel was a drought. And so there wasn't nothing growing. All the, all the vegetation had died, people starving. But Elijah said, God's going to take care of you until it rains. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and, and he and, and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah, I just, I like that. I mean, you got to get this. It don't say that the barrel got full of of wheat and just started running over. I believe that every time that woman stuck her hand down in that barrel, she scraped what what was left on the bottom of it. It was enough for a cake. And I believe that every time she poured that oil out in there to work that stuff up together to make that cake, I believe it was the last oil that was in there. But every time she went back, there was always some more. And she went and did it according to the saying of Elijah, and she and, and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the crews of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which spake by Elijah. And it came to pass that after these things, that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore, there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God, art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode, and he laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord, and he said, O Lord God, O Lord my God. Hast thou also brought evil upon this widow whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times, and he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in thy mouth. I want you to lift your hands right here. I want to pray. God would help me a little while while I preach to you about revival in the life of a child. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you that you would help us in this place. Help every one of us. Help us for the sake not only of our own soul, but the sake of children's soul. Children that are all around us. Children that attend this church and children that are in the community that's about us. God, please help us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to hurry. Listen, most of you've heard the phrase age of accountability, right? You've heard that. But there's not a specific age of accountability actually. Oh, I know. There 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 is there is an age when 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 you can vote and there's an age when you can draw social security. There's even an age when you're eligible to get a driver's license. Some people think that 12 years old is the age of accountability because that's how old Jesus was when his parents found him in the temple asking questions. But accountability cannot be determined by a person's age. Mental maturity varies from person to person regardless of their age. Now God knows exactly how much each person is able to comprehend. Did you know that? It's nice if we want to try to designate a particular age and all that stuff, but we don't know, but God knows exactly when a person is mentally competent. And his basis and he bases what he expects from us on how much we can comprehend. Oh, Brother Taylor, where do you get that? I get that from James chapter 4, verse 17. It says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it's a sin. Did you hear that? To him or her that knows to do good, and doeth it not. What is it? It's a sin. Why? Based upon their knowledge. So James is telling us that knowledge plays an important part in in, in what's going to happen when we stand before God. Now, the judge of all the earth, did you know what he's going to do? The Bible says he's going to do what's right by all of us. So whether you're, you are adults or children or or whether you're intellectually handicapped, God will do right by you. And that is reassuring to know. I mean, but there's something about this text that's even more reassuring. And that that's the, the fact that God will always do what's right and that God brings revival to people of all ages. Hmm? Huh? And he knows, y'all listening, he knows how to revive a child. Awesome. I mean, more importantly, he knows how to revive our children. Right here in this building, in your family. So follow along. I'm I'm, going to tell you about the lessons in 1 Kings 17, revival in the life of a child. Y'all listening? Ain't going to take long, but you need to get this. First, children need revival on their level, just like a teenager or adult needs revival on their level. Did you hear that? On their level. Listen to this. In, 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 in 1 Kings 17, 17, it said, It came to pass that after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. I mean, this was a child, but he was sick. He was so sick that he was he was dying, dead. You know, John, John 3, 16 says, God so loved the world. That simply means that God loves all people in the world. All of them. Red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. Do you got that? G. Campbell Morgan tells of a child that asked their Sunday school teacher, does God love bad boys and girls? And the reason he was asking that was because he had done some things he probably shouldn't have done. Asked the Sunday school teacher, does God love bad boys and girls? And the Sunday school teacher said, of course not. And G. Campbell Morgan said, what unintentional blasphemy. Because if God doesn't love bad boys and girls, we're all in bad shape, sure enough. Now, now we got a wonderful Savior. Savior. When, when, when John 3.16 says that God so loved the world, it means that God loved people in the world. God loves all ethnic groups. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. God loves all, all genders. Uh-uh. God loves people on every economic scale. Hmm? Yeah, God loves children. He loves teenagers. He loves young adults. He loves old people. God loves mental patients, Alzheimer's victims. He loves Down syndrome, people. God loves every person in the world. He gave his only begotten son that they should not perish but have everlasting life. That's how much God loves everybody. We need to make sure that we teach our our, our children the principle that Timothy's parents instilled in him. 2 Timothy 3.14 But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. Wise unto salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. You got that? I mean, being wise in salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, is the most important thing any person can learn, especially a child. You folks in children's church and and Sunday school classes, you need to be sure that you get it down, the milk and the cookies down on the bottom shelf so that a child can understand that Jesus... Died for their sins according to the scriptures. So we need to, we need, we need to do all we can to make sure that every child we come in contact with knows that Jesus loves them and wherever they go and whatever they do in their life, Jesus will help them. He is as close as the mention of his name. Every child needs to know that. Oh, come on, Brother Taylor, you know, I mean, you're, you're beating a dead horse. We understand all this stuff. Then why don't we do it? Huh? Do you think that there, do you think that there are not children within, within the scope of this building we're in that don't know it? Sure there are. Now, sometimes parents feel like their children's spiritual problems are all their fault. That's not true. I want want moms and dads in here to to pay attention to me. uh, 1 Kings 17, 18 says, And and she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come uh, unto me to call my sin to remembrance and slay my son? Did you notice that? That mother thought that all of this child's problem was her fault. There's a lot of mamas that feel that way. Come on, I'm talking to y'all. Yeah. I, I, when we read that that woman said to, uh, to Elijah, we realize that she felt the responsibility for the problems that her son was having. And my, my heart goes out to that woman and, and, and any other mom or dad that the devil is trying to make them think that they are to blame for everything that their children does that's wrong. It's not true. Every problem our children has is not the parents' fault. I've I've seen the hurt in the eyes of mamas all over the world and wondered uh, if their children's problems was their fault. No, listen, parents do have a huge responsibility, I understand, to help their children spiritually, but the fact remains that every one of us will give an account of themselves to God. You young people will understand that. You'll give an account of yourself. You won't be able to say it was your mama's fault or your dad's fault or because they did this and that and something else. It's not going to happen. Every one of us shall give an account of himself or herself to God. Listen to this. Listen listen to what it says about about personal accountability. I thought this was pretty awesome. Uh, uh, Jeremiah 31, 29 and 30 says this. In those days they they shall say no more. Talking about judgment when they stand before God, that, that they shall say no more. The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. But every one shall die for his own iniquity. Every man that eateth the sour grape, his teeth shall be set on edge. In other words, you're not gonna, you know, it's an analogy there, saying that, that you know, a kid's not gonna be able to say, you know, uh, you know, that the dad was the one that ate the sour grape and it made me pucker. Ain't gonna happen. Dad was the one that made the the mistakes and caused me to sin. No. That ain't going to happen. Listen to what what it says in in, in Ezekiel 18 and 2. It says, What mean ye uh, that that use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge? As I live, saith the Lord God, ye shall not have occasion anymore to use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine, as the soul of the Father also the soul of the Son is mine, and the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Now, come on, I'm, 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 just, I'm, I'm just trying to let people understand here that everybody's going to stand before God and, and the books are going to be open and they're going to give an account of themselves. And mom and dad, if you're out there and you are really struggling and your heart is broke because you got a wayward child and somehow or another you're, the devil keeps telling you it's all your fault, it's not all your fault. They're going to have to stand before God for themselves. They made their own decisions just like you did. Well, oh, I know, I know. I, I realize that our actions can have a detrimental effect on others, but the final analysis, we will give an account of ourselves to God. Okay? Now, when, when, when you stand before God and the books are open, the mom, that, that moment, God is going to judge you for what you have done. Y'all listening? Yeah, the, uh, uh, the, the blame game that, that will come to an abrupt halt when you stand before God in eternity. Children, y'all, listen. The moment we step before the judgment bar of God, there will be no more cover-ups and, and, and we will understand what Romans 1.20 says when it says, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that we are without excuse. Mm. So in Revelation uh, 20.12 says, And I saw the dead, great and small, stand before God and the books... We're open. It's talking about when we face the record of our life and we stand before God's throne. Yeah, yeah. The the blame game will come to an end. And, and Hebrews 4.13 plainly states that neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. And all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I mean, God knows Everything then, and, and every thought and even knows, he even knows the thoughts and the intentions of your heart. Hmm. So parents, preachers, church folks, we need to make sure that we're doing the best to train our children, uh, uh, you know, uh, of the church in the way they should go. Okay, that's what the Bible said tramp a child away should go but God promises that they will never get away from that training tramp a child away she go and when he is old he will not depart from it that's what the Bible said and, and 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 I'm uh, and so that means I, I will follow through uh, uh, uh with my training and that training will follow them through life the Holy Ghost will bring it to their remembrance. Do y'all know that every young person that's set in a Sunday school class in this church that set through church services and heard the word of God preached, that the things they heard is in their mind, and the Holy Ghost will use that the rest of their life to deal with them about their soul. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. Praise the name of the Lord praise the name. Of, you know, you know I mean that might not I I got more to preach, but let's just let's just take a moment right here and for some of you that have got wayward sons and daughters, I want you to, I want you to do something. I want you to pray that the Holy Ghost will begin to work on them and bring things to their remembrance that would get them under conviction so that they would want to come back to Jesus. Father, right now, Lord, while I'm talking to these folks, I know that there is in this congregation a bunch of people and just the fact that they're here re- they represent all kinds of people out there that are wrong, that need Jesus. And I ask you, Lord, that you, by your grace, would somehow or another stir wayward children and bring them to the realization that they can come home. It don't matter what they've done or where they've been. They can come home. <sighs> if the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter goes to the hog pen, God will bring it to their remembrance that there is not just bread enough, but bread and despair at the Father's house. And you can come home. <laughs> uh, come on, you can come home. The re- revival in the life of a child is what I'm talking about. it can bring it to the place where they can, where they can want to get up and go. I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I want to go back home. I want to go back to where God is. I want to go back where I can get some help. And it, parents, you folks just need to pray and leave them in the hands of the Lord. Did y'all ever... Uh, uh, I, there's no song come to my mind I, I, when, I, when I, was, I was reading all this stuff here. And, and uh, I, I don't know, I, I torment you with a little singing here. But um, it goes like this. If the world from you withhold its silver and its gold, and you have to get along on meager fare. Just remember in His Word how He feeds the little bird. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there. Leave it there. Leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, He will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. A little more to it. It goes like this. If your body suffers pain and your health you can't regain. And your soul is almost sinking in despair. Jesus knows the pain you feel. He can save and he can heal. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there. Leave it there. there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, he will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. When your enemies assail in your heart, begins to fail don't forget that God in heaven answers prayer he will make a way for you he will lead you safely through take your burden to the Lord and leave it there leave it there leave it there Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, He will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. When your youthful days are gone and old age is stealing on, And your body bends beneath the weight of care He will never leave you then He will go with you to the end Take your burden to the Lord And leave it there Leave it there Leave it there Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, He will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Now y'all bear with me. I'm trying to help somebody. I'm trying to help several somebodies that the Lord speaks directly to all parents through this verse and he tells them you put your children's life in my hands first kings 17:19 and he said unto her give me thy son or thy daughter and he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. Now the prophet Elijah is often is, is up, up, uh, used by God to be God's mouthpiece. That's what God is doing in this verse when, when, when he says, give me your son, give me your daughter. I mean, this mother, Zarephath, Zarephath, found herself in the same place that some of the mothers in this church tonight are in. I mean, her child was a hopeless case unless the Lord did something to revive the spirit in their life. And the first thing that mama had to do was she had to get her child into the hands of Elijah. And the first thing... That mamas in this church have got to do is they've got to get you get their children in the hands of the Lord. I mean, the widow at Nain, she was she watched as her son was was headed for a sinner's grave. Come on, now, y'all ever read it? But uh, one that is greater than Elisha, he stopped that from happening. And one greater than Elisha or Elijah is here tonight. I mean, over the past 25 years, parents have come to this altar and I've helped them put their children in the hands of the Lord. And when we put our children in the Lord's hands, he takes our confidence in him very seriously. I hope y'all realize I'm not trying to drag this out. I I feel like God trying to help somebody here tonight. I really feel it in the soul. I mean, Brenda and I have five children, nine grandchildren. I, I, I've made a a point of trusting Jesus to get them safely to heaven. That's one of the things that I try to do as a dad and a granddad. And the old the old. Uh, uh, Song describes my personal way of, of, of praying and believing for, for my children to, to get to heaven. Y'all ever? There's an unseen hand to me that leads the way I cannot see while going through this weary land guided by an unseen hand. I'm trusting to the unseen hand while going through this weary land. And some sweet day I'll reach that strand Still guided by the unseen hand. And the hand of the Lord may be under, unseen, but it, but it is mighty to save. And, and, and His arm is not short. That He can't reach your children where they are. Mom, Dad, take heart. God trying to encourage you. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The writer of Hebrews tells us that as long as we're living in the now, we need to keep the faith. Long as we're here. We just need to keep the faith. It says in Hebrews 10.35, Cast not away therefore your confidence which hath great recompense of reward. For you had need of patience that after you've done the will of God you might receive the promise. For yet a little while and he that shall come will come will not tarry, but now the just shall live by faith. Hmm. And if any man draw back, my soul had no pleasure in him but... We are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of a soul. That tells us that on the in the little while the Lord is going to come. Yet a little while, and he that shall come will come. Come on now, somebody, uh, brother Kenny, you won't to come to the piano. I feel like there's moms and dads in here tonight that you just you just need to lay hold to the promises of God. I believe God's able to bring them safely home. One more point. One thing we know for sure. Y'all want y'all to listen to this. One thing we know for sure, we can rule out the possibility that the Lord doesn't care if our children get revived. He can rule that out. 1 Kings 17, 20 says, And he cried unto the Lord, and he said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon uh, the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times, and he cried unto the Lord, and he said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and he delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, see, thy son liveth. Come on now, y'all ain't getting this. I mean, if you'd have been there when this happened, if you'd have been that woman when this happened, you'd be getting a hold of this right now. And now verse 20 says that God was, uh, uses Elijah to show us that he doesn't kill children, but he does revive them. Come on, that's what it said there in verse 20. He said, and he cried to the Lord. He said, Oh Lord, my God, hast thou also brought evil upon this this, uh, woman uh, with whom I sojourned by slaying her son, and God just proven to him, I don't kill them. Sin separates them between them and their God. I don't kill them. But I know how to bring them back to life. (laughs) If sin kills them. Come on now. Come on. I don't know. (laughs) When you do any kind of children's ministry, always remember, God wants to revive children. Right. Huh? Listen, for for a moment, Elijah wonders if God really cares about this woman or her son. That's what it says there. In verse 20, he said, he cried unto the Lord. And he said, Lord, my God, hast thou also brought evil upon this woman with whom I sojourn? he wondered there for a moment, but it didn't last long. And you don't need to wonder at all. God wants to revive every child in every Sunday school class. He wants to revive every child in every children's church. He wants to revive every child in this church without a doubt. Oh, God help us. It's always the Lord's will. children. Some people, some people get the idea in their head, you know, that children, you know, I mean, well, you know, maybe, you know. I remember a preacher one time told me that, I remember he told me, you know, he, uh, the children in his church, he said, he said, well, he said, I let other people take care of the kids and all that stuff and, and they can do, you know, children's church or whatever and I don't pay too much attention to it. I take care of the important stuff. That's what he told me. I said, what is more important than a child? The disciples, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're out there uh, meandering around and, and the children are making noise. I mean, people get all torqued out because children in church make noise. What do you expect them to do? I mean, children, you know, ch- a child is, is noise with dirt on it. That's just, <laughs> that's what they are. Huh? But Jesus, when they started, when they started yakking that stuff up, Jesus said, whoa, suffer or allow them little children to come unto me and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. I told my class the other day. I remember. I remember hearing Clovis Chapel one time on one of his tapes, and and he was. He said he was preaching at a church, and there was a bunch of smug people sitting out there. I probably told you all that they sitting out there, and you know, all smug and everything. It was trying to, you know, just scrutinizing his sermon and everything, and all that. And, and and finally, he 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 told a little joke along in his sermon, and a little kid over there laughed, and everybody else sat there like a bump on a pickle. Huh. And he just stopped and he said, he said, you know what? He said, I told a joke and that that little boy laughed. He said, he he got it and he laughed. He said, now, he said, now, that means he's listening and paying attention to what I'm preaching. And and, and I want y'all to understand anything I say in here is wasted on you. But I'm not, I wouldn't say that. I'm a nice man. But I want you to understand it's always the will of the Lord to want to help children. And one thing you can be sure of is that Jesus wants to work in the life of the children in this church. That's what I'm trying to get. That's what I'm trying to get everybody to get a hold of. trying to get moms and dads and all of the people in the church to understand Jesus wants to work in the lives of the children of this church. Hmm? I tell people, I've told people all my ministerial life, I'm going tell you Bible school students, when well, you see the kids here in the church, and the children's church, these little kids running around in there, you know, y'all be careful how you treat them. Yeah. Bible says you'd be better to have a millstone tied around your neck and cast into the sea than to offend one of them little kids. That's how serious God takes ministry to children. So nobody ever cared about a child like Jesus cares about them, not 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 their not their mom, not their grandparents, not anyone ever cared about a child like Jesus cares about him. And what I want us uh, uh, as a pastor and, and, and you as parents, and, and what all this church to get a hold of is that God wants to revive our children. So here's what I like to do. I want us to come to the altar tonight as a unified group, unified group. I want us to pray. I want the young people, the Bible school students, I want the older folks, I want everybody to pray that God would send revival to our children. to our young people. You know, um, I'm I'm getting close to the end of my journey. But I want them to have a spiritual experience that will help them make it safely all the way through their life. So I want us to pray that the Beginning tonight, miraculous things will start to happen in this church among our young people. Hmm? I want you to pray that the Sunday school teachers, that the youth leaders, that Brother Miles and I will get to to say to the parents what Elijah said to the parent in my text. huh, Brother Miles, wouldn't it be an awesome thing to be able to look on the altar of the youth service and see the Spirit of God moving in a great way and children, young people responding and you'd be able to point to them and say to their parents, Behold, thy son, thy daughter, liveth. Amen. I want you to lift your hands right here. God trying to, trying to help us to recognize the importance of revival in the life of a child. Oh, Lord. Oh, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on this place and revive our desire for revival. In the life of a child, Lord, help us to recognize that we have the responsibility as the older people, the adults, the grown children and young people in this church, that we are supposed to be the ones that lead the way for these kids to be revived. Now, what about it? I've talked about it. I've laid the responsibility right at the doorstep of this church. But it's not just a corporate responsibility. It's every individual in this room. Did you know that you're not going to give an account in bunches? You're going to give an account individually. What did you do to help the soul of a child? Lift your hands right here. I want you to ask God to help you. Lord, somehow, somehow, God, stir me. Give me some insight, a vision. Lord, help me to see some place, some way, somehow that I could be you see? Lord, I pray that you'd help me not to be a hindrance to kids, but to be a help to them. Help me, Lord, because everything I do and all my actions are somehow or another having an effect on the environment, the spiritual environment of the church, and I pray, God, that you'd help me, help me to contribute so that it will make a big difference in their life. There's mamas in this room right now. Your soul is troubled. If there is anything, if there's anything that really weighs heavy on your heart, it's the condition, the spiritual condition of your children. Y'all kids, y'all don't realize sometimes just how heavy a burden you are on your parents' heart. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to make you aware. They got a burden for you. Oh, oh, and the Bible said. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Do you know it'd be a good thing for every one of you to get a burden for your own soul, and try to do whatever you needed to do to make sure that your calling and election were sure, so that your mom and dad wouldn't have to worry about you. This is good preaching—you didn't know that, but it is. So, right now, so right now, what I want you to do is I want you to ask God, God, please give me a burden for my own soul as well as the soul of others. Do you understand something? understand? I know you're precious in the sight of God. I know. I know that you care about yourself to a certain degree but do you know that that, that heaven ain't going to be as good as it could be for your mama and your dad if you don't get there? Do you understand what Paul was trying to say when he said what is my crown of rejoicing? Is it not you in the presence of the Lord?
0: Do you
1: understand, sister, what that means? That means that that, 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 that if your parents or people like Paul, your pastor, if they love you, do you know what really is going to matter when we get to heaven? It ain't going to be the streets of gold. I mean, that's cool. cool. And the crown is all nice. But I just want to see you. You understand what I'm saying? It's just That is going to be what really thrills my heart when my feet strike Zion, is just to get to see you and my children. Brother Miles' children. Church folks, why not you lift your hands right here. God's trying to help us here tonight. We need to really get a burden for the souls of people around us, especially children. Now, I, I, I there's a lot of Bible school students here tonight, and so I really want I really want to impress on you, you know, if God is 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 stirring you and giving you opportunity to do children's ministry, don't take that lightly. Don't feel like you know I'm some kind of second class citizen because I'm doing children's ministry. Don't don't do that. All ministry is important, but I tell you. Somebody that has a call to be able to get a child off of the road to destruction and on the road to life at an early age. We talk about scripture. Let him know that he that converts a sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and hide a multitude of sins. Brother, think of how many sins you'll hide if you can convert a child <laughs> One more time, I want you to lift your hands. I I really feel this tonight. I know that I've, I've preached longer than I should have, but I, I, I had something to say, <laughs> and you needed to hear it. And so, if you're here tonight and God is dealing with you about your future in the ministry of trying to be useful in helping children get to heaven. And you want God to do everything in your life that he can to make you to become that kind of a minister. I want you to get out of your seat right now and come down here and find your place to pray. I want you to seriously pray that God will transform your heart and make you a minister that can reach children. God help us. God help us in this. Lord, we need revival. But we especially need revival for the sake of our children. We need revival in our hearts, but we need revival in the hearts of the children. God help us. We need revival in the children's church. We need revival in the Sunday school classes. We need revival in the hearts of people that work in those things, God. We need revival. We need revival among the OBI students. We need revival in the lives of those students that are called in ministry, that they would realize that out there someplace there are probably children, yet unborn, that are dependent on them having a burden for a child soul, God help.
0: awesome sermon by the reverend daniel taylor um again remember if you would like to contact us you can contact me at lions tigers and children's ministry oh my on facebook or you can go to instagram at ltcm underscore oh my. Uh, you can also reach me at ltcm oh my at gmail.com for any of your questions comments feel free to give me a holler and until next time Have a great day.